Morning, everyone. Welcome to God's House for Worship. I can't remember who said it somewhere in the early 1900s, but it's kind of a famous quote that says, the death of the church is when the church despises grace. And right along with that is what lines up with our readings for today. We're not looking at the despising of grace, but when we manipulate it and we change it, that it's for me, but not for somebody else. And so may we be content with God's grace and treasure it when it comes to us and when it comes to others. Order of service is found in your worship folder. Let's begin at this time with hymn 582. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Because we are all sons and daughters of the Lord, we are called by him to repent of our sins. Let us go before our God and ask for his forgiveness, knowing that the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all of our sins. What can wash us? 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, you call us to work in your kingdom and promise to reward us according to your grace. Help us to rid our minds of worldly expectations and rejoice that you freely pour out the blessings of salvation to all people through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. first lesson from Jonah 3 and 4 is the basis for the sermon. When God saw what the Ninevites did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant? Though you didn't tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? The word of the Lord. The fifth through eighth graders sing our next anthem.
second lesson from Romans 9, uh, Paul had to combat in his ministry a number of false notions on how you get this grace. And it's not because of who you're born to or, or earning it. It's all because of God's mercy, we read. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel in the real spiritual sense. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it's not the children by physical descent who are God's children. But it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at that same time by her father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel is from Matthew chapter 20, and that mercy comes at different points in people's life, and even that is not unjust. We read, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long, doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn.
In the name of Jesus, who is so gracious, brothers and sisters, one thing I know for sure on the basis of this lesson from Jonah 3 and 4, I don't ever want Jonah to be my pastor. And I hope you don't either. And I know Jonah has one of the greatest, if not the greatest, fish story ever told on this green earth. And part of it was because God used him as the bait. But why I don't want him to be my pastor is why he has to tell that story. Here is somebody who is supposed to love God and love God's people and love people in general. And what did he do? God gives him a mission and he runs. He runs from God and he runs from the mission. He goes on a ship and he puts in jeopardy all of the lives of the sailors on that ship. And there he is sleeping on a cushion in, in, in the below deck to the point where they had to wake him up and figure it out. And even then they didn't want to throw him overboard. And finally, when Jonah gets, by God, a second chance to go and preach, do you understand the reason why he went and preached? It's because in the back of his mind he knew, okay, I still get to just share the law with these people. I get to tell them God is really angry with you, and 40 days from now, all of you are going to die. And he just couldn't wait for God to obliterate these people. I don't want that as my pastor. Understand a little background about the Assyrians and Nineveh at that time. Honestly, they were a ferocious people. They were to be feared. And when they would conquer a city, the atrocities they would commit to the people and the things they would do to people that they conquered in the flesh, to my knowledge, no other nation did what they did. And it was a part of their intimidation factor that they didn't want any other nation to oppose them. This was Israel's arch enemy. But mind you, with all of that, that's not the reason Jonah didn't want to go. He was not afraid of these people. He didn't want them to have the smallest chance even to share the message of God's word of the law with them. He didn't even want them to have that. He didn't want to give them anything of the word. And so when God gives him this mission, he says, no, he doesn't want to go. He wants to go the opposite direction. And mind you, this was supposed to be his congregation. These were supposed to be the people that he served. And he despised them. And he hated them. And he wanted every one of them to go to hell. I don't want that person to be over me as a pastor. I don't want that person on my pastoral staff. I don't want that person to be in front of you. Because Jonah didn't get grace. He didn't understand it. Whose is it? Who owns it? Who has the right to it? Who gets to give it? These are all critical questions, and even though Jonah was the visible face of God that was proclaiming a message to the people 750 B.C. in Nineveh, and this person is, is the one proclaiming a message from God to you today, it's not my message, and it wasn't Jonah's. It's God's grace, and, and he claimed that right in Romans chapter 9. We read it. Here's what it said. 
I will have mercy on those whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Do you understand what God is saying there? He's saying, I want to have mercy. I want to have compassion. I desire to do this. It's mine. I own it. And I get to do with it and give it to whom, whoever I want. And do you know who God gives it to? God loves to give it to people who don't deserve it. God loves to pour out his grace on those who can do nothing to earn it. And so he lavishes it on the weak, on the lowly, on the humble, on the repentant. And, and mind you, when I say that, it, it sounds like a tit for tat. If, if you're repentant, then you get this. If you do something, then you... That's not how it works. If you're repentant, that still doesn't mean you earn it. I mean, if I repent for something I did, it, it still means I, I, I did that. I, I, I did the wrong. And I haven't made it right. And I can't. And so to the person who turns from their sin and acknowledges it was wrong, God says to that person, I want to be merciful and compassionate, and I will be. And so he was. At the preaching of Jonah, the harsh law, od arba'im yom v'ninaveh napaket, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed, is, is how that sounds uh, in English and Hebrew. Uh, the Ninevites listened, and from the greatest of them to the least, they repented, they put on sackcloth and ashes. Uh, they, even, they even brought the animals in on this. It, it was just a remarkable miracle. And even in the Gospels, Jesus says that the entire city of Nineveh repented. They all joined in this, even to the throne of the king. And so what did God do? He relented. He had compassion on them. And he did not bring on them the promised destruction. He was gracious with them and forgave them. Oh, that, that bothered Jonah just a little bit. The English in our Bible says Jonah became angry. The Hebrew is a little more colorful. It says Jonah became hot. He was incensed. He was irate because Jonah had a list of those who were deserving to have this grace from God and the Ninevites, the archenemy of Israel, they were not on it and they did not deserve it. You know, we have our lists too, don't we? Wives keep track of a list of their husband's sins, right? They remember them. Husbands, your work is so much more important than your spouse, right? And so you certainly must be more deserving of grace than, than, than anybody else. You're, you're very important. Oh, and then we come to church and we start to apply these, these tiers and these lists. And, and you have your people who come every Sunday. And so they must be a little bit closer to God. And you have these people who do so much work around here and they serve and they volunteer over and over and over again. It's almost like they live at church. Washing windows, doing whatever. And they're doing it for free. And then you have your really, really good givers. And they're just so generous in so many ways. And then you have, you know, your parents whose kids don't make a peep in the pew. They're such good parents. And... And they don't leave any Cheerios mushed in the carpet underneath them when at the end of the church service. And then you have everybody else. 
They're not like that. They don't do that. They're inconsistent. And so they, they must be way, way down on the list. And we make these tears and we identify like that. And it's wrong. And this is exactly what Jonah was doing. And Jonah, hot-headed as he was, unleashes his anger in prayer to the Lord. And he says, I knew it. I, I, I knew it. I knew you were going to do this, Lord. I knew you were going to foul this whole situation up. And you did exactly what I thought. They don't deserve it. And here you are being all loving and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, so patient and relenting and merciful. I knew you were going to be like this, Lord, and I can't stand it. I am sick of being a prophet representing somebody that I don't know when you're going to obliterate somebody and wipe them off the face of the earth and when you're going to be compassionate. I'm done. And he is. The Lord responds to Jonah twice. Jonah, do you have any right to be angry? And his point is just so simple. It's my grace, Jonah. It's not yours. I get to do with this what I want and give it to whom I want, and I want to give it to them. What business is this of yours? You're just supposed to share the message. And so Jonah leaves. He leaves the city. He goes out east from the city, and he brings his belongings, and he sets up this makeshift shelter. And you need to understand his point. He wants to wait out these 40 days so that he can hopefully see the fireworks display in the city of Nineveh go up in smoke. That's his point. He's still hoping God is going to play this, oh, I was just joking, Jonah, button, and he's going to hit this nuclear option at the, at the end of those 40 days and say, yep, I guess I really intended to obliterate them off the face of the earth and send them all to hell anyway. And so to his prophet in that shelter, God does another miracle. And Jonah misses it. It's such a small one. He sends a little plant. And, and God wanted to be, again, so compassionate and merciful on somebody who didn't deserve it. I mean, Jonah's being so stubborn and hot-headed. And he loves that plant. It shelters him, protects him from the sun. And he's loving life. And the very next day, God sends that little worm that ends the life of that plant. And Jonah's hot head bakes all the more. And the prophet is truly dried up. And he cares more for his own physical well-being than he does for the spiritual welfare of hundreds of thousands of people in Nineveh. And God calls him on it. And Jonah just says, I still would rather die, be done being your spokesman, and have my life over. This is ridiculous. And the crazy thing about the book of Jonah is how it ends. We don't know if Jonah ever repented. And I was talking with uh, President Gurgle about this, and President Gurgle said, well, he still had to write the book. But did he repent? We don't know. Did he stay stubborn throughout the rest of his days? 
over the past three weeks, I, I don't know if you've been able to tell, if you've been tuning in to the worship services here, but there, there's been a progression in the preaching. Two weeks ago, I had a sermon about how far will you go when you see your brother or sister sin? Will you go knock on their door? Will you try to restore them with the grace of God and bring them back to Christ? And then last Sunday, Pastor Bodie uh, had a series of readings that emphasized how often will you forgive? How gracious will you be when somebody repeats their sin against you in a day and they're sorry and they come back 77 times? He used the book of Ephesians for his text, but it was saying the same thing. How gracious will you be with somebody? And so today in the book of Jonah, God is looking at everyone in this room and he's looking at us in the soul and in the heart and he's saying, and do you mean it? When you go knock on somebody's door, do you mean the forgiveness of sins that you share with them? And when somebody wounds you over and over again in a day, and it's just bothersome, and you're starting to wonder, I can't even tell if, if they mean their apology anymore, and so you're tempted to just hold back. Do you mean it when you give them the forgiveness of sins? Because God does. God meant it when he gave it to the Ninevites. God meant his word as he was trying to bring and draw his prophet back in repentance so that he could be gracious with Jonah too. God means it when he pours out his grace on, on husband and wife and the family, on the children, on the, on the parents, on the grandparents. And you know what? He means it on the turkey sitting next to you in the pew, too. And on the one standing in front of you. And there are a host of people that didn't come to church today in our community and around the world. They're not like you. Their sins are maybe very, very different from you. Their culture is very, very different, too. Maybe they have nothing in common with your politics. But God wants to be gracious with them, too. It's his to give. It's his grace to give, whether you like it or not. And he wants to be generous for the sake of his only son that he sent into this world to live and to die bearing our sins and to rise again for the sake of the world. And by God's grace, it includes you too. Treasure this grace. Soak it up. And share it from the bottom of your heart. It's God who has the rights to this grace. It's his. He owns it. And he is so gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Praise him for it. And while you're at it, say a prayer. That he sends pastors and teachers and staff ministers and wonderful congregation members who get grace, who treasure it, and who just rejoice to share it. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, 
of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace over against our sin. What a gift you've given to us and continue to do so. We will treasure it and work to give it as freely as you've given it to us. We join Sigmund Bulitz in praising you for giving him 90 years on earth. Bless his birthday this coming Wednesday and his continued health. And you gave Donna Whelan successful knee surgery this past week. We thank you and she thanks you for this, Lord. And please help her in her ongoing rehab. And also, please bring your care to Sheila Edler as she was admitted to the hospital over the weekend with a serious condition. We submit these things in your name as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who promised that wherever two or three come together in his name, there he is with them to shepherd his flock until he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Christ on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me then he took the cup gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me and the peace of the Lord be with you always Please be seated for the distribution. <clears throat> 